You are listening to the Content Academy podcast where we teach online businesses how to create raving fans with their content. So let's get to it. Hey guys and welcome along to the Content Academy podcast. I am Paul Caffrey. I'm joined by Phil McGrath. Say hello, Phil. Hello, Phil. That is fantastic. And we are joined today by Christy Brown from significantlysuccessful.com. This was a very enjoyable podcast and uh, Christy shared her extensive knowledge from marketing from her, I suppose, her previous corporate roles with the likes of Disney uh, and was in fact involved with Living Social when they started up and had some great insight from, from that experience. Um, she now works with clients and has helped over a hundred people actually go from taking an idea um, from being just an idea through the startup phase to actually being an implemented reality. So really, really great stuff there. Um, focus on actionable information. We talk a bit about email marketing. We talk a bit about launching courses. Uh, and most importantly, I think we speak about listening and finding out how to actually serve your audience and give them the content that they want, which will actually produce um, a lot of visitors to your site and I suppose then to go through uh, whatever funnels, journeys, trips that you might actually have planned for them. Um, so I suppose, Phil, do you have anything you want to add to that before we go and kick off? Do you know what, Paul? I couldn't have put it better myself, so let's get straight into today's show. Yes, so as I said, we have Christy Brown on the line from significantlysuccessful.com. Christy, how the hell are you? I am amazing. How are you? I'm doing pretty good myself, I must say. I'm having a pretty chilled out vibe of a day, um, so all is going well. Paul? Uh, quite the opposite. I've had quite a, a busy and productive day, but uh, I'm quite happy. A lot of coffee has got me this far, so I'm ready to I didn't to say I wasn't productive. I just said I kind of had a chill Yeah, yeah, day. yeah. I, 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 <laughs> we, we heard you, but uh, no, that's cool. You heard what you want to hear. Anyway, let's, let's put that aside. Christy, how's it going? How are you? Welcome to the podcast. We will not fight while we are recording this, I promise. <laughs> Maybe. Thank you. Yeah, it's going great. I suppose um, just for our audience who may not be too familiar with your work, Christy, you might just give me a bit of background. So kind of where you started and what you're up to now at the moment. Sure. So I started uh, really in the online world um, back in 2002, doing uh, when when eBay first rolled out and then doing some affiliate marketing and, and that kind of thing. Um, and my full time job at that time was was marketing for a radio station. Um, and through that relationship, I was actually able to uh, to be on the launch team for Living Social. Um, which I hate to use this comparison, but for people that don't know what Living Social is, it's uh, very similar to Groupon. It's actually only about a million dollars in uh, revenue behind Groupon, but nobody seems to recognize the name. Um, but uh, do, I I get, watched... do I get brownie points if I knew exactly what you were yes. talking about? Awesome. And you're a guy, which is not their target market. So I'm not even awesome. sure. And you know what the funny thing is? I actually even raised my hand as I said that, and I don't know why, because no one can even see me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's awesome. But people are when I say it, they're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I had that app." But for some reason, the name just doesn't ring a bell with them. Um, but uh, but yeah, I was on the launch team with them. I actually put together all of their um, all of their email marketing and uh, content for when the deals first rolled out, along with teaching the sales sales team how to sell a concept that nobody knew about at the time. Um, and so we launched sixty seven cities. Um, and then through that, I ended up at Disney um, and was handling Disney's um, 
I was one of 47 marketing directors. I always like to say that because people are like, you're the marketing director at Disney? Like Disney has a bunch. Um, but um, I, was, uh, I was over the, the residential marketing for residents of Florida and California. So I handled social media, content marketing, um, and email marketing uh, for residents of, of California and, and Florida, doing the media buys and all that fun stuff, writing all kinds of fun commercials and that kind of thing. Um, when I realized that corporate America and I did not get along, I left, uh, I left Disney when I did not renew my contract and I launched significantly successful, um, about 14 months ago now. So that, that's kind of where, uh, where I'm at today, where I'm working with small businesses that I love, um, and, and really pouring the energy and training that I was able to get at a really high level with Living Social and with Disney um, into making small businesses great. Excellent stuff. I'm going to fight the urge to talk Disney with you. Um, because <laughs> I do think you should share the reason why you're going to fight that urge, Phil, Phil. Because we, and I say we as a collective, we may not learn that much. <laughs> it would just be me <laughs> nerding about Disney. So we'll, uh, we'll, we can we'll, talk another time. We'll, we'll, we'll yeah, well, well, I suppose for, for listeners who may not realize, Phil and his family frequently frequent Disney uh, uh, on a lot of holidays. And as uh, Phil and his family is based in Ireland, um, that's a significant amount of travel. So uh, it's, it's quite impressive. But anyway, let's uh, let's move on, Phil. I've, I hope I haven't shared too much there. Um, <laughs> no, I, it's all good. There's nothing there. I, I don't mind. You share whatever you like. It's well, come here. Look, it's all cool. Um, I mean, there's there's obviously a lot of avenues that we could you know go down. I mean, the fact that your your site is only or your your online business uh, significantly successful.com is only fourteen months old is is a little bit of a surprise because it does seem a, a quite a mature blog and a, a quite a mature business with a, with a whole lot of content. So, um, I suppose when you kicked off, I suppose in twenty fifteen, um, did you have this whole business planned out with all the content? pre-planned or did you just get started or you know what what did that part uh, phase of the business uh, look like uh, for you Christy? Sure that's a great question um so I had done a lot of consulting stuff kind of freelance on the side um but what would happen is people would want me to come on full-time and I wanted to have my own company so um the idea of significantly successful is kind of born out of um the consulting relationships that I had had previously you know, as a company, because people don't want a company to come on full time. So it was kind of um, built to kind of uh, bridge that gap for me. Um, a lot of the content that is on there is a lot of the stuff that I had written uh, to clients. So like when I was, I would give tips on, you know, how to get started on, on Pinterest or where to come up with your social media strategy. And these are all things that I had written in long form emails to clients so that they could share it with their team. Um, so I went back through a lot of the stuff that I had spent a lot of time on um, and turn that into content for, for our site so that so exactly that so that it would look it would look like I have the experience that I do have but that it wouldn't look like it was you know a startup that was kind of fledgling Excellent. that is super um, clever I really love that yeah because obviously it's recycling successful content yeah um, there's there's a whole lot of brilliant stuff there um, as I suppose as regards the uh, you know blogging and and that side of things, we maybe focus on that for for the moment, kind of the more traditional uh, end of things. Um, I mean, have you any tips for people who are actually trying to create a, a successful blog? People engage with, and the reason I ask is because I mean, your most recent post there's a, there's a whole load of Facebook comments within the page uh, on it, uh, and I was just wondering, you know, how you actually 
came up with the idea of creating the content and how you actually got that level of engagement. Sure. Yeah. So my whole philosophy when it comes to marketing in general, not just content, but marketing in general, is that it's about relationships. Um, and so I really, I, I say, I tell my clients this and, and I try to do it myself is that I say niche down until it hurts so that when you're coming up with the content that you're going to put out, whether it's text or video or whatever it is that you're going to put out, that you are answering a question you know your target market is dying for an answer to. Um, and if you know your target audience, it shouldn't be hard. I always get a little, I always get a little stumped because people are like, I have no idea. And I'm like, Hey, if you don't know what your target market needs, then you need to take it back a step and let's start there. Um, so that, that's the one thing is that, uh, the, the, uh, I always try to um, gauge where my audience is, what questions am I getting asked? Um, what, what questions am I seeing other people ask other people in my industry? Um, and that's usually where I kind of start. So a lot of you notice if you go through my blog there that a lot of the content that's on there is really kind of an answer to a question. I usually start off with a question and then the rest of the content is kind of answering and trying to provide solutions and guidance to that question. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I, I like the idea of essentially the, the blog post thinking of it as an answer to a question because at the end of the day, you should be helping somebody and, and you know giving them some sort of value so even using that as, as an initial starting point really is an excellent way to uh, to go about that um, can I just jump in there Paul yeah go for it Phil just <laughs> in terms of obviously you're writing your blog post and you're answering that question and I know you were saying that you know you really should understand the questions that your audience um, or your clients may have how did you go about finding those so, so in order for you to be able to address them? Um, so one of the things that I do um, is that when, I bring, when I'm working with a client, um, I take notes and I actually have a little section about what questions, what, where they're stumped. Um, so I always ask people my initial, now obviously my business is, is one-to-one with a business or with a client, um, but one of the things that I do is I ask them, you know, what, what was your final uh, what was the final thing that made you decide to work with me? Because normally that's going to tell me where their sticking point is, where they think I can provide a solution for them. Um, and asking that question tends to produce a lot of a lot of answers. And it's interesting because it cycles around uh, where people, I'll get like the same, you know, seven clients and all, six of them will have this same kind of sticking point or question that, they, that they're stumped on. Um, so that's one of the ways. And the other ways that I do is I use a lot of social media, and that's my background anyway. Um, and I'll and I'll go out not just not just ask questions and survey. I know a lot of the, the gurus out there talk about surveying your audience and all of that, and um, but I actually find that listening uh, tends to produce better results for me. Going out and seeing what other people are posting in Facebook groups, what kind of questions are they asking on LinkedIn and LinkedIn groups. Um, and then same thing on Twitter. I do a lot of Twitter chats and kind of see, you know, if people are in a, a social media marketing Twitter chat or in a content marketing Twitter chat, what questions come up more than once or twice. And so those are that's kind of more my resources, listening to, uh, to the audience and where they are versus kind of asking them because I don't know if you've ever answered one of those surveys. It's very hard to suddenly come up with like what your biggest struggle is. And so I think the authenticity comes out when you yeah, listen. You get bored and flick off them half the time, don't you? <laughs> exactly. It's like yeah, <laughs> sometimes as well. I mean, people obviously don't like being put on the spot. So when you throw a survey in front of me, you're like, okay, I want you to fill this out. I want you to fill it out now. Right, exactly. But I want an answer. And you're like, oh, well, here, you know what? I'm not doing it. Go away. 
I'm exactly. Um, now again, I'm just I'm always curious to see other people's processes about how they can how they kind of come about their content ideas and addressing those issues and finding the real pain points for the, their their customers or their ideal client. Um, because I know from our audience that that is a sticking point for them. That you know, finding the content can sometimes be a a bigger part of the battle than actually creating it. Definitely. You know, one of the things I tell my clients too is, is creating systems so that when you have ideas or conversations, uh, you guys are in, are in the same, the same world that I'm in and you'll have conversations all day long, you know, with, with friends and family, with, with people, you know, at networking events or whatever, what do you do? And people start, you know, kind of just being real with you. And a lot of times we don't take that as content ideas, but what I do is I have an Evernote note so that when I leave talking to someone, if there is something that kind of sparks, like, you know, this might be something to address for local businesses or, or whatever, I'll actually make a note of that and then do a little bit of digging and see if there, if, you know, there's a spot for that as, in my content. Um, and I think we let a lot of those opportunities slip by when we're not conscious of them. Yeah, having a system in place to capture is key, and it's something we've spoken time and time again on the show. I'm a big advocate of my, my traditional pen and paper. I like to keep my notes, <laughs> Paul. You've got your one note and your electronic. Oh, totally, yeah. Uh, which, listen, I'm not knocking. It's just I prefer. I don't know if there's something I just like about being able to sit down and write it. Anyway, we're not going to have that conversation again. But again, <laughs> ha- no matter how you do it, having those systems in place to capture those ideas and those moments and those conversations so you can refer to them at a later date is is a must as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I I think that, and then, you know, the other thing that I think for every client that I've actually gotten to do this, and I get a lot of resistance on this, but actually scheduling in time to do your content and not expecting to have this, you know, massive epiphany and uh, sitting down to do it one day when, you know, you weren't planning on it. And I have found that momentum really picks up and that your mind begins to get used to coming up with creative ideas and communicating clearly and, and all of those things when you actually schedule in a day, you know, if you need a day or a day and a half or whatever you would need um, to actually focus on creating content for your audience. And a lot of people don't do that. You know, they're, they're like, Oh, I've got to put out something and it's midnight on Friday night and I'm going to sit here until I do it. And that's horrible way to try to do that. (laughs) Yeah. You've no idea how much I'm actually smiling. And Paul, this is something we know has come up time and time again. And I've said it here on the show, writing time is writing time. Thinking time is thinking time. Editing time is editing time. You've got Mm -hmm. to segregate your time that much to get things done you shouldn't sit down when it comes time to write and go okay what am i going to write you should already know what you're writing or have a broad outline of what you're going to write and your research done when you sit down to write Um, and you're right not enough people do that and that's where we see big problems when it comes to creating content because people become discouraged by the fact that they you know i've got writer's block and that they and writer's block is a real thing don't get me wrong but sometimes a lack of preparation is what actually causes writer writer's block rather than just what most uh kind of traditional authors would would kind of put down to as writer's block yeah, I agree. And, you know, I think the other thing too is, it, you know, find time to research. Like I tell people to schedule in all of these tasks, whether it's going out on Facebook groups and communicating with people or, you know, setting up your invoices for clients, like all of these things that have to be done in your business, especially if, you know, you're a small team, you know, put those on your calendar and stick to them as if they were any other appointment on your calendar and you'll start to feel a sense of relief and creativity because when you're stressed out you can't be creative it just doesn't work that way 
No, and the one bit of advice one I would give um, um, Paula, I think you'll agree with me here when it comes to creating the content and, and doing that work is no matter how long you think it's going to take you to do, double it. Yes. <laughs> um, and one of the, the rule of thumbs that I have when, I, when I'm looking at the jobs that you know need to be done and, and kind of looking at stuff going forward in terms of our planning is that we can allocate time to a project or, or something that needs to be done and we'll look at it and say okay i can do that based on you know okay i think it's going to take me an hour okay can i do it if it takes me two hours yeah i can still do it what if it took me three if i triple the amount of time i actually think it's going to take me to do this task can i still commit to doing that regularly whether it's a daily weekly or monthly task if the answer at that point is no well then you need to rethink your strategy behind it yeah, that's a really good tip. I think, you know, people always, I have found, especially entrepreneurs always tend to underestimate the amount of time that something is going to take. And, and content creation is probably the biggest one, I would say. Yeah, I'd look, yeah, I'd look, echo all that. Um, it's, uh, I suppose it's probably in the ambitious nature of one to think, yeah, I can do that in like an hour, half an hour. <laughs> and then we kind of, two days later, it's like, well, it's still there, but I was doing this and that and something else. <laughs> um, but you know what is kind of is catching my eye here. You know, um, I'm looking um, on at your site here, uh, and obviously I'm lo I'm looking at the um, the courses or the, the kind of classroom type training uh, that you're providing uh, with your business academy there with the interactive group coaching. Um, and I suppose what I'm interested in learning about is you know what it took to actually create the, the content and the coursework for for that. Um, and I suppose how much is done in, in preparation versus how much is done as you go on the course. So that's a great question, and it is a it was a learning experience for me. So I'm going to tell you what worked, and I'll tell you what did not work. <laughs> cool. Um, We're all about so, learning here. Um, yes. Yeah, so um, the Significant Business Academy was uh, really created because I had a lot of a lot of startups. Um, really focused entrepreneurs that wanted to work with me one on one, but really couldn't afford. Um, to work with me one-on-one. -on -one. So it created the, the group coaching, the academy for uh, really with those people in mind because the bulk of my business is more established small businesses. So they're still small, but you know, they're starting, they, they have a monthly revenue, you know, that kind of thing. And I really love the energy yeah. of the startup. So I created this for them. Um, and so what I did um, in this case was I actually took, I, I took on a, a client a pro bono that was a startup and spent about four days with them uh, really figuring out where they were stuck. Like they had this business idea, but it had been an idea for a really long time. They kind of had a website, but not really. And, and they, you know, they had WordPress installed in a domain name, but there was nothing there. You know, so like trying to figure out where, you know, where these sticking points were. And so um, through that, we did a few mind maps and really came up with um, what uh, the curriculum that you see um, there on the page, uh, starting with you know who's your ideal client, um, and and I feel like that's one of the things that a lot of entrepreneurs kind of skip over, and it's probably the, the biggest pillar of any business is knowing who the hell you're serving. Um, I don't know why people think they can get around that, but <laughs> they do. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so as far as the the preparation, so. Um, what I really did was I went through each of the modules, um, I call them circuits, and I went through each of the circuits and kind of created a little bit of an outline of what I would want to share um, with someone very similar, the, the curriculum is very similar to what I would go through a little bit of a faster pace with somebody that already had an established business. Um, and I, so I went in and kind of filled in bullet points because 
I am a creative at heart and what I talk about today, I may not talk about, um, you know, a week from now, I may not want to talk about a week from now, I might not remember what I was, what I meant. Um, so yeah. I tried to actually put together an outline that kind of flowed the way that I think. Um, it didn't work uh, well once uh, people started, I, everything's live. So once people started asking questions, I realized that I was handling things the way that I think and not the way somebody that doesn't have a business was thinking. Um, and so uh, what, I, what I did was I pretty much followed the outline and really just took questions um, and the, the training began to become more about answering their questions and guiding them through, um, you know, okay, you guys want to learn about how to set up your um, Facebook ads or how do, how do you actually yeah. begin to communicate with your audience. Um, and it was really, it's really cool. I have 46 people in there, um, and it's five months long and every week they really have been able to write the curriculum of what's important themselves. And then what I do is I block off. So our calls are on Monday morning. I block off the rest of the day, Monday, the entire day, um, to actually write out the content and any kind of helpful, you know, PDFs, reports, or videos, additional training as a result of the questions they asked. Um, because I realized that if I did it, I know that the video on demand stuff is is really popular, and I have a few courses that are that as well. Um, but when you're trying to build a business, nothing is cookie cutter, and so I realized that I wasn't going to be able to help them as much as I wanted to unless I, he I heard from them what they were struggling with. So um, that was a learning experience for, for me. Um, and then blocking off the whole day on Monday was something I really resisted doing um, because. What would happen is they would have, like we went through Twitter um, this past week, um, we went yeah. through Twitter and LinkedIn, and I was getting questions that were super advanced from people who I would not have thought had been on Twitter. My assumption would have been they really didn't know how to use Twitter to connect with people, and, and they knew more than what I would have given them credit for, and so I would have been doing very basic stuff, and they, they needed help at a little bit more of an advanced level. So it really would have been a waste of, of everybody's time. So, um, yeah, so that it's a very different, it's a very different setup than anything I've ever been through. And I went through B school and all that stuff, but, um, I just found that this, this is the way to help the, the people that are, that have actually signed up, um, and uh, create that content after I've talked to them. That was a long winded answer, but does that make sense? <laughs> you know, it does. And it just generates more questions. <laughs> so, um, how much of what you're creating then for your course is workbook driven or is it just kind of PDFs or videos or what's that shaping up like Christy? It's a little bit of everything and um, so we do recorded um, zoom calls so it's video a lot of screen shares or, or phone calls whatever will whatever works for them and um, that was something else I learned along the way was um, you know if you're still in a nine-to-five you might get in trouble if you're watching a video but you could probably be on the phone without a problem so that was another thing that I learned in this process um, but I do um, every week there usually ends up being the one main training video which ends up being about 90 minutes long um, with everybody's questions and um, answering their questions screen shares and that kind of thing um, and then the what I end up creating um, usually going into each model module I already have a workbook that gives them a way to create a strategy for the model that we're on. So um, not necessarily the training about, you know, the how-to, but actually, you know, once you understand the how-to, how are you going to put this to work in your business? So that workbook is already created previous to the training um, on the phone. And then normally I'll end up with like a, 
you know, 10 to 15 point PDF, you know, this is how you market in Facebook groups or this is how you write content for your blog or whatever yeah. it is after the call. And then normally there ends up being another probably 10 to 15 minute like video training that I end up doing as a result of their questions. So there's a, there's a whole lot going on there then really. So I can really see how that Monday is blocked off because that is a lot of content, <laughs> yes. isn't it? Yeah. How many yeah, hours are in your Monday, Christy? Because mine pretty much only has 24. So, yeah, um, I, I think I usually try to push it to about 36, somewhere, <laughs> somewhere in there. <laughs> it's impressive. And, you know, it, it's it's some of the things that pop up time and time again when we speak to people like, wow, where do you find the time to do this? Well, actually... If you plan everything out properly and you kind of prepare and you have a good idea where you're going, you'll be surprised at how much you can get done in such little time, even with our uh, self-belief that everything takes 10 minutes. Yeah, you know, I tell people and my clients hate this. So if they hear this, they're going to they're going to be like, Ur. but I say, you know what? You make time for what's important. And when I say make time, it means that you put it in your calendar and you stick to it, that you've made a promise to yourself and you're a person of integrity. So you keep that promise. That's really as simple as it is. And yeah, people hate it's, that. And I, it's really true. <laughs> I, I seen a quote um, a while back. Um, I God help me. I can't remember who who to attribute it to. Um, but it was pretty much the next time you feel like not doing something. Um, just say to yourself out loud, this isn't a priority to me. And then see how you feel afterwards. <laughs> oh, that's good. I'm going to have to steal that. I like it. Yeah. yeah. Because we don't like saying that, especially when it's our business. This is our livelihood in, in some instances. Um, others, it's a, you know, it's a side project, a side hustle. So, you know, but if you can say that to yourself, you know, this isn't a priority to me and you still feel okay about it, well, you know, fair play to you. Maybe it's not as, as big a task as you maybe thought it was. Moving on, and I'm, I'm conscious that there's plenty I'd love to get to, so we're going to try and condense this down as much as we can to get extract maximum value from you today. Um, you spoke about at the outset about um, you know, you did a lot of email marketing um for um both Living Social and Disney, um, and without going into kind of too much detail on the how-to side of that. What would be some of the biggest points that you could give to our audience? Maybe, you know, they're kind of beginner, intermediate, and they're, they're building their list at the moment. They're starting to, uh, to build up their, their, their numbers and they're sending out regular newsletters. Some pointers maybe for them for kind of some do's and don'ts that you've seen over the years that, that kind of worked or really bombed. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I think the biggest thing is um, to make sure that you have your follow-up campaigns in place before, you're, before you start the building process. Uh, so that you can nurture those people and they're used to getting emails from you. Um, I think that's one of the things people tend to overlook. Um, and, and if you ever have signed up for a big company, you know that they immediately start to send you follow-ups and they do that because it works. So that's, that's probably the biggest thing I see small businesses and entrepreneurs kind of forgetting about. Like, oh, I'll get to that later, but it's, it was really the first thing you want to do uh, before you start growing your list. Um, the other thing is to... Um, to really be sure that you're speaking the language of the people that you want to attract. And by that, I mean leave like industry jargon um, and assumptions, um, you know, by the wayside. I had a, had a client that was a, a project manager and she threw around terms that she thought everybody knew and it, she scared people away. Um, uh, she had said to talk about um, uh, like SWOT analysis and stuff like that. And you know, if you haven't, if you're not familiar with some of these things, you just don't, you don't know what they're talking about. So you want to make sure that you keep it as simple as possible. I think the rule of thumb when you're writing is at a fifth grade level. Um, so you want to make sure that you, you know, that you're talking their, their language. 
Um, the other thing that I think uh, that's really big is that don't call your newsletter a newsletter. <laughs> um, and uh, the, um, you, I mean, it can be a newsletter with your internal speak, but people, when they think about a newsletter, they think about an email that's about you and you and you, and there's nothing really in it for them. That's usually not the case. You usually have spent a lot of time creating content for them. Um, but for some reason, people really recoil. We focus group tested this at both Living Social and Disney. And people don't sign up for newsletters anymore. So you want to give them something of value. You know, um, your audience is probably familiar with opt-ins. But that's, that's where this came from, the idea of giving them something in exchange for their email address that wasn't where internet marketing started, which is, hey, sign up for our newsletter, and, and people used to respond to that. They don't anymore. They don't on any website. Um, they don't on Disney's website. They, they, they don't on MGM Grand's website. I've worked with them as well. Um, and if they don't on these brands that they love and that they'll travel around the world to get to, they're not going to on your, on your small business site either. So I would definitely shy away from that and really highlight what it is they're going to get that, that, leads me, that leads me to a follow-up question that I don't have to ask. <laughs> so if you don't call it a newsletter, what do we call it? It's a letter um, of know, news, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I Sorry, mean, I think, yeah, I think the, um, the way that, I mean, I usually, call, I usually call it a nurturing campaign, and that way it's a couple different things. So we send out an email once a week. Um, and I say, I say my nurturing email is going out, but you can say, I mean, you can call, like I say, again, you can call it internally. You can call it a newsletter if that makes sense to you, but to well, your I'm audience. Thinking about, I'm more just thinking about the copy that you're going to have on your splash page. Yeah. So what I, I normally, well, for opt-ins will normally be like, um, I have two different ones for, um, that are kind of directed toward the newsletter thing. And it's, if you would like tips, tricks, and significant business information, sign up here. That's what I have. Um, because that, that applies to them, right? So mm -hmm. that, that's more about how can I help you versus I'm going to tell you about me. Excellent. There you go, folks. Something to consider if you are, of course, uh, labeling it publicly as a newsletter. You may want to reconsider that because it no longer converts. Excellent stuff. I really like that. Um, moving on, and we're getting tight for time, so I'm conscious of that. Obviously, you've worked for a lot of big name companies and you've handled a lot of their campaigns for them. Um, but out of the stuff that you're doing at the moment in terms of promoting, I mean, obviously, you're also in the business of client acquisition. That you know, mm -hmm. yes, you have the clients that you're working with, and some of them you will kind of, you know, they will come on full circle with you and maybe move to a next level. So you're kind of working with them continuously to some point. But in terms of client acquisition and obviously getting your name out there and getting people to know, like, and trust you. What's working well from you from a marketing point of view? Well, a lot of uh, a lot of interviews like this, where you know it's really just kind of value driven, um, have have worked really well. Um, I do a lot of guest posting. Um, I, I will say, in in full disclosure, content creation comes very easily to me um, because I have a lot of training background. So um, when somebody asks for a guest post, I can usually crank that out pretty quickly. And I have two days a week that all I do is create content, um, but. Um, the guest posting with people that have an audience that I know is my target audience um, and reaching out to them and kind of building those relationships. And um, that has worked really well to, to drive people to me. Um, I also do a lot of, excuse me, a lot of education-based marketing. So I do, um, I do a free webinar that is, I'm not selling anything. The only thing I offer at the end of it is a strategy call 
with me to see if we can, you know, solve a couple of your problems and if there's anything I can help you with ongoing. Um, and I do those about once a month and that, uh, that drives amazing results. I usually get about a hundred people on there and I'll book between 20 and 25 calls off of that. Excellent stuff. So follow up is the key. If you have been lucky enough, I suppose, to, to get people's time and, uh, highly valued attention it's all about the follow-up from there and capturing that uh, while it's at its peak state of interest I suppose definitely um yeah and I have a very specific I actually have a team because follow-up is not my strongest point and so I've hired people that are very good at my weakness um to make sure that those people are followed up with and that I remember to follow up and reach out um and I you know, being from a sales background, I'll tell you that most people, it takes four to five times in order for them to be like, no, I'm ready to, I'm ready to do business now. Um, and if I had not followed up with them, I wouldn't have gotten their, their business. There you go. Follow up is key. So kind of, yes, it's great creating that content, getting it out there and obviously showing people that you really know what you're talking about. Um, but then making sure you can still strike while the iron is hot and following up and having systems in place to do that are certainly uh, as important, we would say, as to getting them on the getting them on your webinar or, or course in the first place. So really, really like that. I have one tricky question left for you that I ask all of our guests on every show. But before I hit it, uh, Paul, have you got any more? Yeah, I suppose I was just wondering, um, I know if, if we've moved off the topic, but having um, a limit of 50 people in your course, was that so a combination of scarcity marketing and being able to serve them better or, or was there maybe something else behind that? So, well, it actually started off because I do monthly calls with everybody that's in there um, and trying to figure out what my schedule could handle along with the, the other one-on-one -on -one clients that I had. Uh, but it really ended up driving a lot of scarcity where people, you know, where I was like, okay, I have 43 people in here. You know, people mm -hmm. started realizing that it was going to book up. That really wasn't the, the intention going in, to be completely honest, but it actually worked that way, and it was great. <laughs> I helped get people over the line. Excellent. No, that's cool. That makes sense. Phil, I'll, I'll uh, hand back over to you for that final question. Yeah, so here it is, Christy. Um, <laughs> it's not that difficult. Don't be too... <laughs> But in terms of everything you've learned with working with your clients uh, and your, your own business journey at significantlysuccessful.com, is there one thing, and I'm looking for one, that you just wish you knew when you started that would have made your life a hell of a lot easier? Yeah, I think probably the biggest thing for me, and, and I'm answering this because it, it's very macro, is to really follow your gut. Um, and I, and that was the first thing that came to mind. And so that was the first thing that came to mind. That's what I'm going to say. But I think a lot of times, especially in the online world, um, we tend to get sidetracked with what other people are doing, um, what has worked for other people. And we don't take into account where we shine, what we do best and, and what, how people respond to us the best way. Um, and sometimes it's not going to be the same as what's most popular or what, you know, so-and-so is doing. Um, and I feel like being, you know, being true to who you are and following that initial gut instinct tends to get you a lot farther than uh, than trying to figure out what everyone else is doing. Boom. Perfect note to wrap up today's show. Christy, it's been an absolute pleasure. Before I let you off the line, you might just tell our audience where they can reach out and get a hold of you on social media if they wanted to drop you a tweet or get you on Facebook. Sure. So uh, on Twitter, I am. Um, it's at SIG, S-I-G, successful. Um, and uh yeah, I, I did that because significance hard to spell. So SIG successful. 
on, on Twitter. Um, on Facebook, you can um, search for Significantly Successful and we'll come up there. Um, and also, you can you can go to our website um, and find all of our social media there as well, which is significantlysuccessful.com. Excellent stuff. And again, folks, we'll make sure to have all of those in today's show notes. So no need to scramble for a pen. You can head over to content.academy to get today's show notes and all the links to Christy's website and indeed her social profiles. Christy, as I said, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you very much for uh, taking the time out of your day to speak to us. And uh, we'll catch up with you again soon. Perfect. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. And that was Christy Brown from significantlysuccessful.com. A thoroughly enjoyable interview. Uh, got you out of your chair anyway, Phil? It most certainly did. I did that one standing up. Um, kept me uh, on, my, uh, on my toes. Kept you on your toes? Literally. Yeah, literally. literally. Um, but yeah, no, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, uh, yeah, it was nice, wasn't it? There's a lot of, so, I mean, some of the stuff we've seen come up, come up again and again. So um, relationships being very important, niching down until it hurts again, another phrase which we've, we've kind of heard a couple of times, um, are quite important. Um, and then simply answering people's questions with your blog posts, um, fairly simple when you think about it, but uh, a very powerful way to, to keep yourself uh, on track when it comes to creating that content. Yeah, in terms of the mindset of creating your content, it's a great way of looking at it that, I mean, just from my point of view, when it comes to sitting down and writing, um, and I know this can be a pain for people, and we've said it on the show before, you know, actually sitting down to write that content can be the biggest pain point people have within their online business. But if you look at it in terms of you're answering a question instead of writing a blog post, just a little mental switch. It's like when you're in the gym and you've got one more set to, you know, you've got five sets to go and you're like, oh, just one more set. And then you get that one set done. You're like, okay, just one more. But you know, you really, you've got three. But if you keep going one, one, one instead of five, four, three, you tend to get there a little bit easier and you kind of push through it. So maybe just a, a shift in mindset might be a great way of getting you through that content kind of pain, I suppose, the best way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's I suppose scheduling stuff, scheduling time to to write regularly again, as we always say, whether it's daily, weekly, whatever you can fit in, uh, will go a long way to sorting you out there. The course piece, I obviously was very interested in speaking about that, so I possibly hijacked what we were intended to speak <laughs> about. But um, hey, you know what? This is sometimes it can be just it can be uh, self serving and benefit everybody out there. Um. Well, I did like the idea of having video PDFs and probably more interestingly, workbooks. And and this is something that I think could be applied to lead magnets uh, and various other pieces of content upgrade and possibly, you know, even within, um, I suppose, blog posts themselves possibly because at the end of the day, if there is some sort of workbook um, and you can get people thinking about whatever you're trying to teach them and you can get them to actually complete the workbook, um, there's a good chance they're going to get that quick win if that's what you're looking for for a lead magnet or else actually the results that they will get on the course. And it's, it's a good way to actually tell, you know, did you actually watch the videos? Did you take it in? Can you actually answer questions now? And can you actually, more importantly, have that workbook build a strategy for, for your business? So I liked that element of it. Um, as regards the also limiting the number of people within the class, I think that's very sensible. 
um, and it makes it makes a lot of sense because it also helps people feel valued who do actually sign up. Because I don't know if you, but you know when sometimes you might sign up for some online training, you don't know am I like one of two people signing up for this, or have actually ten thousand people actually signed up for this? You know, um, and then you might end up in a Facebook group, and even then sometimes you're unsure because there might be alumni in it or whatever else. So. Um, known that there's kind of that level of attention I think people will like uh, and also you as uh, you know someone who's delivering the course um, it means that you know you're not going to overcommit yourself if you've picked a sensible number yeah. so like that yeah about being realistic to the amount of people that you can serve as Christy said that was part of the reason um, which did have its own benefits in terms of scarcity marketing as you brought up Paul so you know, it's kind of a win-win, really. You know, you kind of argue with it too much. I mean, and one of the things I really liked from Christy, um, amongst amongst many from that show, was she kind of said, you know, listening produces better results than asking questions. That she'll just go in and she'll listen to the conversations that are going on, watch the questions that are popping up on the screen, rather than jumping in and asking the questions. She's just watching what's going on. Um, and just taking a note of it. So a bit of a ninja spy trick going on there, seeing what the customers are looking looking and talking about and what questions they're asking. Um, and she, for her, certainly, um, obviously we don't want to put everyone in the same bracket, but she seems to think, and certainly for her business, it gets the best results rather than just going straight out and asking that she can really sit back, see what they're asking, get the results. And, you know, maybe then you can look at doing some focus groups or, uh, you know, getting people on calls and then testing your theory of what you've learned from, from ob observation um, against those questions. Yeah, absolutely. Like all that. Um, final thing then, which was quite good, was just your email list. Quite a simple thing. We nearly kind of glossed over it because we take it for granted. But, you know, if you are going to have email marketing, have a lead magnet, have some automated follow up there uh, and then have some sort of process for them to amalgamate into your main list. And uh, don't call it a letter of news, a newsletter <laughs> or anything along those lines. Something, it's not, a phrase it's not the resonates. nine o'clock news. It is not the nine o'clock news. And um it is not a weekly newsletter on content that is going to fly off the shelf it needs to be a little bit more niche down and a little bit more uh sir provide more service provide more value so that was nice kind of the the simple stuff that we kind of look uh, overlook sometimes but nice to see that we know we're doing this we probably don't think about why we are doing this but then there's kind of the, the validation that you know large businesses large companies have spent a lot of money to figure out this is how we do it so that is why we in turn do it and don't just ignore. So, um, yeah, I like that. Um, show notes, obviously, on the site. Um, so you can find out more there, a couple of links. Um, other than that, Phil, I've, I don't really have any more takeaways other than follow your gut. Yeah, that's exactly where I was going to wrap that one up. Follow your gut, folks. You will know what's right for you. You do you, let them do them, and uh, everything will work out all right in the end. Yeah. But, uh, that's it Can't for wait me. to have a steak. Anyway. Ooh, um, nice. Well, on, literally, on, on the state, on the, the evidence of the podcast. <laughs> on the state um, note, we'll uh, wrap it up there, folks. Thank you very much for taking the time out of your day to join us, and we'll chat to you again soon.